You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Question is very simple. 
a disciple. Who wants to be a disciple? Not think, not speak, not even teach, but to actually be a disciple. Are you, are you with me here? If you want to be a disciple, raise your hand as high as you can. Okay. Now let's raise it. No, keep it up. Keep it up there. Don't fall away. So quick, guys. Okay. Keep your hand up. Some of you over there, put your hand up. If you want to be, if you don't, don't care. See, okay. All right, as high as you can. Okay, a little higher. Take it higher. Higher. take it higher. You know, the first question I asked was, put your hand up as high as you can. And you did like this. I saw some of you. Flexitarians. 
Luke chapter 14. You guys over there? What's the cost of being a true disciple? What is the cost? Well, Jesus kind of lays it on out. He tells you that to follow him, there is a price. And he says in Luke 14 and verse 25, it says large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Just because you're traveling with Jesus does not mean you're walking with God. He says large crowds. Of course, we know that back then large crowds meant four or five thousand. I don't know if you've ever spoke to four or five thousand. Jesus in First Timothy talks about being the, well, Johnny talks about being the savior of the world. First Timothy talks about saying, hey, he wanted to come that all men be saved. So Jesus wants large crowds to become disciples. He has the opportunity for a huge crowd to become his follower. And what's he say? Well, says, with this large crowd that was following him, Jesus just kind of lays it on out. He says, turning to them, he said, Oh, this is so amazing. So many people, so many fans. Oh, gosh. I'm so flattered. No. No, that's the LWB, the lukewarm version. It says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brother and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who doesn't carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost if he has enough to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build, was not able to finish. I mean, he preached hard line when he was in leadership. But the moment he had to trust leadership, man, he fell away and went to another church. I mean, this, this, this where he laid the foundation in my heart, but where is he at today? When things got tough for him, he left. I mean, he laid it out when we were in the singles ministry, and I don't see her joy now that she's married. She laid the foundation, but wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king's about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with with 20,000. If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. That's how Jesus would preach. He says, you gotta be willing to give up everything to be my disciple. You gotta give up your pride. You gotta give up your dignity. You gotta give up your mind. You gotta give up your you gotta give up your dream. You gotta give that up from Jesus' dream. Or you cannot be a disciple. He says, even if that dream is still holding on to a part of your heart that no one knows about, and you sit in church, you sit in Bible talk every week, and you haven't given it up in your heart, you're not a true disciple. read this scripture, I was so challenged by this scripture. I took off running faster than Usain Bolt. I was like, like that. Because I love myself. I love what I wanted to do. I had just done my second feature film. I was, wow, I'm going to be an actor. Hollywood wants me. There's an agent that wants me. I've already done 70 commercials. I've been on TV. I've done all this stuff. Wow. And then I realized the dream of Jesus Christ. That Jesus was asking me, did I want to be his disciple? Did I want to give up everything? And I was challenged by it and I ran, I was a coward. I was not like many of you who were very humble. Some of you who become disciples in our church have more humility, I mean just, we have some incredible disciples in our church. I, I gotta say, we got some awesome disciples. I mean, I, I could go on, I mean, I love Rob Williamson. I mean, he's an awesome disciple. He's a great disciple. I remember telling everybody, I said, hey guys, you know, if you challenge someone who's really seeking God to study the Bible every single day, if they're serious, they will study the Bible every day. They won't say, well, I've got to work, i got to do this. They won't say that. They'll become true. I remember the church looking at me going, amen, bro. <laughs> you didn't say it, but you thought, some of you had that look. And you know, a little bit. That's when you, you thank him, but you don't really say it. And I remember Rob Williamson came to our first principles. He studied the Bible that day. He studied the next day. He studied the next day. He studied the next day. Literally, he goes, hey, we're coming to disciple. 
baptized and became a sold out disciple, even though his wife didn't get baptized. Then a few weeks later, Lily got baptized and became a sold out disciple. I love our South African brothers right there. We got, we got, we got Brandon and we got Christo right there. You know, Christo was a wrestler in South Africa. He was a wrestler, but he wrestled with God and became a sold out disciple. You know, Brandon, Brandon went through some challenges when he became a disciple. You know, he, he, he lost his marriage. He lost his marriage. But guess what? He's dating in the kingdom, and his girlfriend got her visa, and she's moving to London. Took him out. 
It didn't take him out in the first, second, third, fourth fight, but late in his career, when he stopped being trained by somebody who was actually doing it, it cost him his own fight and life. And I really believe as disciples, we gotta keep doing it until the day we're taken to heaven. Jesus says in Acts chapter one, he kept doing it and teaching it until the day he was taken to heaven. How long do we gotta do it and teach it until the day we're taken to heaven? The question I have for you is, are you doing it and are you teaching it? Are you a true disciple? Are you a true disciple? Are you willing to give up everything? You know, I thought when he says give up family and all of this, and of course when he says this, he's saying, hey, you gotta love God when you love your family. Love God when you love your wife, your kids, your mother, your brother, even your own life. But that didn't just start with Jesus. That started in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy 13. Yes, they with me here? Bible says this here. Who wants to be a disciple? Chapter 13, verse 6. We'll go to the second law here. Check out how God feels when someone tries to persuade you from the faith. Let's find out how he thinks. Verse 6. If your very own brother, or your son, or your daughter, or the wife you love. Notice it didn't say the husband. It says the wife. He says, you brothers with that low commitment, you better love me more than you even love that. You, find, you know, MJ is so radiant, isn't she? I mean, she was standing up here. She just, she's like a little, little, little brown little angel just comes sauntering across. Not a care in the world. Everybody else is stressed. She's just like, I'm here. I'm getting married. God is my king, and I've got his friends. And I mean, she just, it's, so, it's really kind of cool to see. I, I, I didn't want to offend her today. I said, wow, sis, you just look beautiful, but more beautiful. And, and I, I really believe it's a spiritual beauty. When you're spiritual, you look beautiful in the eyes of God. And, and, and Sean, Sean is awesome. Sean is awesome. He's coming along as a preacher. But it just says here, if your own brother, you said you're not, or the wife you love, or your closest friend, secretly, notice it's not like openly, secretly entices you. Hey, bro, let's step on out back. What? What? It's just hot in here. Let's go out back. Say, so she want to get coffee? Just me and you. Just me and you. Hey, I haven't seen you for about a month. Are you a member? You want to be a disciple? Well, you know, let's not be legalistic. Let's just be honest. I haven't seen you. What do you mean legalistic? So secretly entices you, saying, let us go and worship other gods. God that neither you nor your father said no. Gods are the people around you. You know, there's a lot of gods around us. You ever been to the church? Uh, there's a couple of churches out there. There's one's called WhatsApp. You ever been to that church? <laughs> they're, they're busy. There's another church out there called Instagram. That's a, that church. They are, they are going all around the world. You ever heard of that church called Facebook? That's a powerful church, I'm telling you. There's another church called Pinterest. Mm -hmm. Some great churches that are out there. Yeah, and I mean, the biggest one, the worst one of all, Google. <laughs> I mean, that church will have you totally committed to it. I mean, you'll go there for your worship. You'll go there when you're lonely. You'll go there seeking intimacy. You'll type things into Google that you will tell nobody. You'll tell your greatest secrets to Google. When you are so lonely and you want to do something, you will tell Google, you won't tell God. You'll stick it in there, and you want Google to give you an answer. And only God can meet your needs. A lot of churches out there. God to the people around you, whether near or far, from one end of the land to the other. Do not yield to him or listen to him. Show him no pity. Why does he put that in there? Because that's exactly what we do. We are sentimental. And when we're sentimental, we stop being disciples. So don't spare him, shield him. Watch this, 
you must be certainly, you must certainly put him to death. Your hand must be first in putting him to death. And then the hands of all the people stone him to death because you're better than him. No, because he's trying to turn you away from the Lord your God, from being a sold out disciple who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Then all Israel will hear and be afraid, and no one among you will do such an evil thing again. And a church said, Woo, look at the cost. Sometimes you just gotta put, you gotta lay it on out. And you gotta say, Brother, I wanna be a disciple. You're saying things that don't sound like you wanna be a disciple. Sister, I want to be a disciple. You're saying things that don't sound like you want to be a disciple. Friend, you study the Bible. I want to be a disciple. You're saying things that don't sound like what a disciple would say. Brother, your energy at Sunday, I just, you see, disengaged. Are, are you, do you still want to be a disciple? Do you still want to be a disciple? I see, a, I see an absence of the Spirit's power in your life. Do you want to be a disciple? You know, we've got to resist the devil, guys. The devil is powerful. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 7, resist the devil and he will flee. It doesn't say think about him or pray about it. It just says resist him. You, you've actually got to resist the devil. And one of the areas that I think can be really challenging that can attack us in the UK and all around the world is all the thoughts. We think that Satan attacks our finances and our marriage. No, he attacks your thought life. First, he goes after how you think. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. You won't get the mind of Christ unless you read the word of God. You know, sometimes we, we think leaders or people are so special. No, they just read their Bible. And yet we've got to read our Bible so that God's words actually are in our head. And we think like God because we're reading the word of God. Are you with me here? How is your thought life? What, what, what do you think about? You know, the world is flooding us with different thoughts, different ideas, different information. And if you listen to all of what you see on Facebook, all of what you see in the news, oh, you gotta be afraid. Uh oh, you gotta be afraid. You gotta be afraid. You gotta be really afraid. Just be afraid. Be afraid. And be more afraid. That's the meaning. I'm just like, I'm not worried about it. My wife said to me last night, after I got done praying about worry, she said, man, you got a gift, baby, you just don't worry. So I prayed to Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just left my burdens there. They're at the foot of the cross. <laughs> right? Satan's after how you think. He's after how you think, your mindset. And if he can get you in the mind, he can stop you from wanting to be who God has called you to be, being a disciple. You know, I've been studying out a few different mindsets. And of course, the mindset of, of, of the Christians, or the Hebrews, are, and of course, the Old Testament is a physical foreshadowing of the New Testament spiritual realities. So the Old Testament Hebrews are the New Testament sold out disciples. Amen? Amen. And there's some interesting things about different mindsets. The Gentile mindset believes in chaos, accident, and randomness. The Hebrew mindset believed in structure and patterns. The Gentile mindset was linear, straight line. The Hebrew mindset was cyclical, meaning that everything goes in cycles. Obviously, you have the water cycle in the Bible and all that stuff that was talked about before scientists ever discovered it. The Gentile mindset was impersonal. I don't want to be close. The Hebrew mindset was very personal. The Gentile mindset was talk-oriented. Acts chapter 17 says those guys sat around and didn't do nothing but talking about the latest ideas. The Hebrew mindset is action-oriented. The Gentile mindset is all about radical individualism, and I think we see that nowadays. The Hebrew mindset was about radical unity. The Gentile mindset questions authority. The Hebrew mindset, the Christian mindset, believes you have to be under authority. And one can say, the best training to be in authority is to be under authority. That's why Jesus was even submissive to the wicked leaders who put him to death. He even submitted to them. And this teaches us to be like Jesus, you've got to be submissive to those who are in leadership. 
whether you think they're righteous or not. That is not for you to determine. God is in control if you want to be a disciple. The Gentile mind says that man rules nature. The Hebrew mindset says God rules everything. Of course, if you want to study a little bit more about the Hebrew and the Gentile mind, there's a great book called Hebrew Thought Compared to Greek Thought by Thornton Bowman. I just thought I'd make it real simple for you. All the intellectuals out there going, where did you get this from? You can read that book and you can learn from that. But what's interesting is as I was reading this, I started realizing that sometimes even my own personal thoughts can stop me from being a disciple. Just, just how you think. Stop thinking like a disciple would think. From the age of about two to about five and a half, I lived with my grandma and my grandfather. My grandfather was the most tough guy. He was a military man, soldier. He gave me one spanking, and I still remember it, and I'm 44 years old today. That's it. Just one spanking, I remember it. I just, I just I attention. I never messed up again. Um, but he had this, he had this, uh, this, he had this little dog, this little poodle, and it was part of the family. And the poodle's name was Butch. Little dinky little dog, but man, this thing could bark. And I remember I was like four and a half, five. I was so afraid of this dog. I was petrified. And the family thought it was a really cool thing to sit inside and watch me and Butch go at it. So Butch would try to come in, or I would try to come into the house, and Butch would see me coming into the house. So I would try to open the front door, and then Butch would beat me. And I would just, and I'd run around to the back of the house. And I was pretty quick, so I'd get all the way around before Butch got there, and I'd open the door, and right before I'd open it, there's that little dog again. I did that all day. The family literally sat there watching, having a good time. Well, I was running around the house. And finally one day, I, I, just, I got tired of Butch. I was like, okay, you're going to bite me, and I don't care. And so I open the door and think, I go, mm -hmm. and Butch goes, mm -hmm. Butch goes, mm -hmm. I walked in, and I sat down, and I started playing with my toys. that you give them. Your thoughts only have the power you give them. Everybody in the house sat there watching going, uh, this dog is not vicious, Michael. Even at a young age. The only power the little dog has is the power you're giving it. And so they sat there waiting for me to get it. They bailed me out. I'm not going to save you. No. They waited for me to get it. You know, God is that way. He sits there watching you run around the kingdom, run around the house, run around this world, waiting for you to say, okay, let me not give power to these thoughts that stop me from being a disciple. I really believe there are two dogs inside of us. One that says, hey, you can, be, you can do it, and one that says you can't. There's a good, good in the bad. And some of us sin, we do bad things. I've sinned, I don't know about you. This week I sinned, I blew it. I do it every, you know, you blow it. You wake up angry for no reason. You know, frustrated, stressed out, all these type of things. Have a poor, quiet time, you sin. Get proud, you start thinking, yeah, I'm awesome. I went to Bible talk, I had some shoes that Paul Fuller got me for my birthday. I felt, I thought I was feeling, I felt good. Yeah, Paul Fuller, he gave me some shoes. I was feeling good about myself. So I was, kind of came in, and I said, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I got, I got some shoes on. And then one of the visitors, you know, he came, and I said, yeah, you know, yeah, I got these shoes. And I was sharing in the Bible talk how, you know, I kind of felt a little too good about myself. He goes, yeah, I can tell. I, I sat down right there. I just, amen. God knows how to humble the proud. He knows how to humble the proud. Satan wants to, to deceive us in the city. You gotta beat, you gotta beat, you gotta beat that dog. You know what happens when we sin? You know who we beat up on? Ourselves. You gotta beat the dog. If you're a disciple, you, know, you shouldn't be beating up on yourself. You miss, you miss the plot. There's only there, there's there's two people inside of you: someone with faith and someone without. Someone who's good, someone who's bad. 
Someone who worships, someone who doesn't. Someone who's fired up, someone who's not. Someone who's joyful, someone who's angry. Someone who is bitter and someone who is better. Two, and when you mess up, I'm learning that I gotta beat the dog, not beat myself. You beat the sin and not up on yourself. And this may cause you to change your mind, which is our first point. To be a disciple, you gotta change your mind. You just gotta change your mind. I appreciate Colby sharing today. It's just like, wow, God is traveling all over the world to get him to just have cultural experience and all these different things. And then he studied the Bible. I'll never forget, Colby broke in tears when he saw that he wasn't a disciple. He broke in tears. Why? God was challenging him to change his life by changing his mind. And that's how you change your life. You change your mind. There's nothing more powerful than a changed mind. Do you believe that? Do you realize what you get for changing your mind? For changing your mind, you get peace, love, joy, encouragement, and eternal life. That's the gift that God gives you just for changing your mind and becoming a sold out disciple. Is that not awesome? Just to change your mind. And Kobe changed his mind. He became a sold out disciple. He's awesome. He's leading the East. He's got his queen to be. And they're getting married next month as well. You know, I gotta lift up our, our sister to North Natasha. She's coming up by She's amazing. She, she got baptized a little bit ago. And uh, I remember she was coming. I can tell she was, she goes, and, she, I mean, she's a smart girl, professional, but, you know, she's out there in Cambridge. And I can tell she's coming to Bible talk. And those, I, you know, you got to do Bible talk discussion, not just for the Bible talk business, but it's got to be something in there for the disciples. And if you're in Bible talk, they have to do something for And so I can see the disciples were kind of challenged and inspiring, but, but she was just wrestling with what she was, she was like, hmm. I can see that, I mean, she's a clever girl. She, her mind, God was trying to change her mind. And they studied the Bible with her. And I know that God has changed her mind because she not only became a disciple, she, she, she then went to, dare we say, the most frightening place you can go when you're a young woman. The most, the biggest fear you can deal with is really confronting your, your mom and dad. And she went to her dad. She said, Dad, I've become a sold out disciple because I wasn't one. And dad, you need to become a sold out disciple. Hold on. Because you're not one. You know what dad did? He cried. Started studying the Bible. Sees that he's not a sold out disciple. His name is Emmanuel, which means God's with us. And he's with us today. That's the power of changing your mind. You say, I haven't changed anyone's mind. Have you changed yours? See, how did you change someone else's mind? When your, your mind's changed. When you really are sold out disciples, you'll make sold out disciples. Matthew chapter 16, you guys still with me here? You gotta deny yourself. You gotta deny yourself if you wanna be a disciple. You still wanna be a disciple? Yeah. Okay. Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 16. The Bible says this here in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross. Follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses life for me will find it. What good is it? What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the, king, the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I love what it says here. It says, 
He will reward each person according to what he has done. You know, when you get to heaven, you're gonna get some rewards. He didn't say everybody's gonna get the same reward. Now, there are only three things that are eternal. God, the word of God, and the souls of men. I like to believe that the rewards that we get have to be rewards that are eternal. <laughs> right? The score you get on the video game you're playing when you're not being a disciple is not going to be valid when you get up in heaven. You know what I mean? You know how we all do video games now? Mm -hmm. Okay. There you go. Amen. He says we're all going to give rewards. And I, I was challenged by this because I started thinking, gosh, I know the only thing you can take to heaven is souls. And I started thinking, wow, when you get to heaven, it's going to be it's going to be glorious. Everybody's going to be happy. But then there's going to be the people that are given their rewards. All the people that are so grateful that they talked to them about being disciples and made them disciples and brought them with them. And I just started thinking about how many people am I going to be able to go, wow, here's my reward. Here's my reward. Look at all my rewards. Look at all the disciples that I made or that I was a part of making or that I prayed for. See, you can always be fruitful. You can pray for the person who's in the study that doesn't really respect you or like you or want to be around you or, you know, you, you, you can meet with them. You can encourage them. You can write them a card. You can pay for lunch. You can buy them coffee. Everybody can be fruitful if they really want to be a disciple. And Jesus says it. Jesus says we're all going to get those rewards. I pray that you're, you're encouraged about all those who will be rewards with you in heaven. Now, I had to study this and understand something and take it higher as a disciple, amen? And we always said, I always thought, okay, you gotta deny yourself. That means self-denial. But I thought about it. Self-denial is for self-promotion. Self-denial is for you. And I go, when it's all about me, then I can be self-deceived. I can be self-aware. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Sure, you don't find it. Yeah. They made a sidewall here, but I'm fine. Self-righteous and sometimes self-condemned. To deny self, I really believe, means to deny that you rule. To deny self-rule. To deny self-governance. To say that God rules you. That's what it means to deny self. Because even an athlete can deny himself. But it's for himself. Right? A student can deny self for themselves. But God says you gotta deny self for me. It's not about you. you. You gotta get off the throne and put me there. You gotta put me on the throne of your life and let me rule your life. Let me rule. Your soul was not designed to function as master. As a human, we were not designed and created to rule ourselves. God is created. He created us, but he is the creator. Can you imagine an iPhone telling an uh, Apple what to do? Apple's like, uh, dude, I made you. You're a phone. No, I'm not. I'm a car. No, you're a phone. <laughs> but I feel like I'm a car. So I'm going to go get transition surgery. No, your phone. Let's just end it right there. Are you with me here? Are you willing to deny self? When you deny self, you're saying God's on the throne. We got another brother here with us, guys, that you haven't met. His name is Alexander. Where is he? Where's Alexander? There he is. Alexander studied the Bible in the North Region. He's a top model. He's been given contracts to go to South Africa, China, Asia, all over the world, here in the UK. He, 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 it, this is a powerful story. I gotta lift up our brother Dimitri. Uh, Dimitri, he's a fashion model. Dimitri's a fashion model. He's, he's got the white suit on. He makes us all look bad and stuff. One of the brothers. Uh, he's, yeah, he's a good looking young man in the back right there. But he's more than a, a, a model. He's a model Christian. And so he preached the word to Alex and says, listen, we're on the runway, but we need to be on the narrow road. 
okay? That's the real runway to head to heaven right there. Everybody else is telling us we're awesome, but we need Jesus to say that. You gotta come meet my preacher. He used to be a model years ago uh, when he was young. <laughs> but, but now he's, he still thinks he's cool like us, but don't say nothing about it. But sit down with him, he knows a few things about the Word of God. And so Alexander came, and so we started studying the Bible. We got into Alexander's life, and I was like, I love God, I love this, I love this. Yes, I want to be inside here with you, the sinless. And what, you know what's hilarious is, you know, Frank was in, you know how Frank is. Frank was in study Bible. Frank imitated me, so I'm going to do him right now. <laughs> He sat down with his lights out, you know. And, and, then, and, then, and, then, and, then, and then you had Yuri, you know, he's the suave one, Yuri. He's got his hair done, he's got the little quiff thing going, he's, you know. And then, and then you had Demanji in the study, and Demanji's got the cheekbones, and so he's like this. You know, it's so hilarious. All the brothers in that sinless study, they, start, they all start looking ugly. <laughs> Including me, we all just sit down, start talking about our sins and how we've fallen short and who we weren't. And I left emotionally shaken at how Satan has power over people in this moment. And it was so powerful. Alexander says, I've been a tool for the devil. I don't want to be a tool for the devil. This is what he said. I want to be a tool for God. I want to be a tool for God. He said, Alexander, Facebook? Facebook. You got to get rid of the Facebook and all the stuff that shows you're not a disciple. He goes, that's easy. I go, Instagram. You had to get rid of the photos, and there was one photo that wasn't awesome, and he goes, like this one? And he pointed to it, he was joking with us. He has a bit of an accent, so we took him serious, and we go, oh, we're not making a disciple. He goes, ha, ah, I got you guys. He goes, take that photo down, of course, take that down, of course. I'm a disciple. And you know what's so powerful is he's got to go back to Santiago, Chile, to see his mom, and he's going to visit the church there. He's going to go back to Brazil, because um, that's where he's from. But we challenged him. We said, you speak Spanish and you speak Portuguese. If you really change your mind and you want to be with these men here, we're all, we're all in this for God for forever. We're preachers. You need to train to come back. You're not a preacher yet, but you need to train to come back to the ministry. So he's going to go. He's going to be there for a few weeks. And he's going to come back to train to go to Madrid or Portugal or wherever the Lord is in him. Because he's changed his mind. And he's denying that he rules. You know, I heard we have a brother, uh, Avion. Now, I'm really praying that Avion comes through for us and helps us win the football tournament at Barnet FC. But uh, I wanna, I, I'm inspired that he wants to help us win God's, God's great tournament, which is the kingdom of God. You know, Avion says, hey, I'm a sold out of sight. He, he, he was offered contracts with the LA Galaxy and other football clubs. And he says, if I put, if, if those things come in conflict with the kingdom of God, they go out the door. Because I'm a full on disciple. I just got to ask you a question. What is a significant thing that you could do today that would dramatically change your relationship with God? What is the one significant thing that you could do today that could dramatically, you know what it is. What is it? Then you gotta ask yourself, why aren't you doing it? And then God gives us the answer, because you're not denying yourself. You're not letting God rule. See, to be a disciple, you've got to deny self and let God Rule. Lastly, you got to pick up your cross. You got to pick up your cross. He tells him you got to pick up your cross. The cross was an instrument of death. You know, if there's anyone in our church and there's several individuals that have picked up the cross, but let me tell you something the cross changes its weight over the course of time. 
You know, it, it weighs one thing when you're single. You get a couple of kids looking at you. And if you get twins like Ola Kukoye has, the cross gets a little, it changes its weight right there. You know, when you're a single sister, you go, I'm gonna be married, I'm gonna be in submission to a lovely husband. And there's all of all that stuff, and it's all cool, and you pick up the dress and all of that, but then you pick up the cross of he's in charge and you're not. And you know what they say, you're not sold out until you're really married. That's a tradition, it's not the word of God, amen. Jesus was single, okay, singles don't fall away on but marriage does test your humility. It does test your selfishness. It does test whether you're willing to say, I'm gonna deny self and let God rule. And of course, for the sisters, the husband rules in everything. See, you don't have to be forced to who you marry, but once you marry that person, you choose your leadership structure. So I remember one time when sister goes, well, you have my foolish husband, he's such a fool, he's such a cavalier. When I go, sister, you decided to marry him, what does that say about you? Well, he's not that bad. <laughs> not that bad. I just need you guys to get in there with him. <laughs> Cross changes its weight. You know, there are financial crosses. Man, that can be tough. Sometimes there are medical crosses. Satan says, I want to attack your mind, that doesn't work. Satan says, I want to persecute you, that doesn't work. Satan says, I want your best friend to fall away from the kingdom, and you go, well, I saw him falling away early on, and that doesn't work. Satan says, your parents won't become disciples, and that doesn't stop you. Satan says, I'm going to take your spiritual father away and give you a new one, and you go, okay, I'll get adopted, and that doesn't stop you. And then you get a heart problem. You don't struggle with evangelism fatigue like other disciples that just don't want to share their faith. And that's our brother Yuri Zyka. That's Yuri Zyka. Yuri does not struggle with discipling. He believes in it with all of us. Yuri does not struggle with evangelism. He shares his faith. You doesn't struggle with the kingdom. He said, this is the kingdom of God. You doesn't struggle with sentimentality. You doesn't struggle. He doesn't, he's a sold-out disciple. And yet Satan says, you know what? I'm going to attack his health. That's what God had. That's what Job did. Or, or Satan did to Job. Job didn't do anything wrong. God just says, I need people that I want to brag about. That are willing to carry the cross in medical challenges still be fired up. Still let God be on the throne. Still deny self. I, I, I'm challenged by Yuri's relationship with God. I, he challenges me. I'm, I disciple him, but I, I, just, I just, man. He came to me one day, he says, bro, what do I do? I go, bro, you just gotta pray. I, I don't have an answer. You, you just gotta pray. Because he got given a heart condition that really was very devastating. It was tough there. There's some sad moments and stuff, but you're true to God in prayer. And it was so powerful because he was invited to speak at a, at, a, at a meeting where a lot of people had the same issue. But you guess what they didn't have that you had? They didn't have a relationship with God. You never know when the cross that you carry, the cross that you carry may be what liberates other people. Keep carrying your cross. Don't put it down. Yuri's such an incredible example for us and to the church. And I'm honored that he serves you in the kingdom. <laughs> Lastly, I'll quote to you Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. Of course, that's the story of Mary and Martha. And you know, yeah, we better read. Let's read it real quick and we'll close out there. Luke 10. Lastly, we just got to follow him. Luke 10, 38 says this here. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. 
She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to the word, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had, that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. We stop there. Let me first say, Mary, can, uh, Mary and Martha can be brothers. Just want to help the brothers. Mary and Martha can be brothers. These stories are for, for, for all of us. Um, Martha, Martha went out to, uh, to wait on Jesus, and Mary fell at Jesus' feet. Martha went out to disciple God. Mary fell at his feet in worship. Martha was angry that Mary was spending more time with God and not helping her out. That can happen to us sometimes. Jesus didn't get a bad attitude at Martha's bad attitude. And in the end, it was Mary who was really following. Why? Because she was blessed and not stressed. You know, to follow Jesus, you gotta, you gotta live a blessed life. And I know when I'm not blessed, I'm not following Jesus. When I'm stressed about the special mission contribution as I was the last couple of days, I go, I'm insane. I gotta stop stressing and start worshiping and falling at his feet. I'm stressing out, this is too much. You're not being a disciple. Disciples don't stress. That's not a disciple. That's when you're trying to carry it. You gotta let Jesus carry your burdens. And I realized that about myself. And I ask today, to be a disciple, you gotta follow God. You gotta follow him. Even if he leads you, even if there's all this preparation needs to happen, but you're, you're just not feeling it, you, you just gotta let God lead you. That's what I learned from this story. She fell at his feet. She wept for God. I gotta lift up our brother Tommy. We had a great meeting this week when it came to following Jesus. And he wants to follow God so bad. He wants to help so many people become Christians. That you can see the pain in his heart for the lost. And he broke down in tears. Because he just wants to be used by God. And I think that's a great example for us. I just got a question for you as we close. When's the last time you cried for the lost, not for yourself? When's the last time you cried for the lost, not just your parents and someone else's? When's the last time you cried on campus for people to become Christians? When's the last time you cried for your coworker, for your boss? When's the last time you actually cried for them? Or prayed for God to break your heart so you can produce tears? When's the last time you cried, period? Do you cry? I mean, do you cry? Do you know in every one of the tears when Jesus cried, the, the tears from weeping, there's a chemical called lucent encephalin. That chemical is a chemical that softens the human heart. The body produces a tear when it feels an emotion it can't handle. That's when it feels, so some people get all fired up and they cry. They can't handle all the joy. You know, some people get all depressed. They get all depressed. But then you produce a tear. But that in that tear, there's a chemical that softens your heart. So people who don't cry naturally can have hardened hearts. And it may stop you from connecting with God and other people. You may need to just leave here today and say, you know, I'm going to get tomorrow. I'm just going to cry out to God. So he can break my heart so I can cry out for other people and follow Jesus. Jesus lets you come as you are. But he doesn't want you to leave as you came. Decide to be a disciple. God bless you. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H dot org dot U-K. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening. 
and we'll catch you on the next one.